0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto. Thank you so kindly of for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard, welcome aboard, welcome aboard, Yvette Avery-Herod. How are you doing, my dear friend? Our union activists and the person extraordinaire who gets things done, Michael Rutnan, How are you doing, my dear brother? Welcome aboard. For those of you who haven't yet checked in, come on, folks, check on in, check on in. Michael Rudnan starts, more than 1 million in Puerto Rico left without electricity after power plant fire. That blackout also left 170,000 customers without water across the island of 3.2 million people. where The roar of generators and the smell of diesel fuel fuel is in the air. Those who could not afford generators for renewable and have medical conditions such as diabetes, which depends on refrigerated insulin, worried about how much longer that be without power to increase bills when you don't provide a perfect service? The level of impunity absurd, said Luisa Rosado, a mother of two who lives in San Juan, neighborhood of Rio Pedras. Let me tell you something. It's time for us to all go solar. You know, when I get a few bucks put away, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to get get on the electric revolution as as soon as I can afford it. But right now as it is, you know how it goes, political activism isn't profitable anyhow. Worst avian flu since 2015 hits U.S. poultry prices set to rise, which means more pain for Americans in the grocery shop. Named the highest pathogenic avian influenza (HPA), has already killed 23 million chickens in Turkey. As a result, this uh, this U.S. a leading egg and meat producer might face a bird shortage. This would lead to already inflated poultry prices. In other words, we have we we have a reason now. For legitimate inflation on birds on chicken and eggs because of the flu but we have a false inflation just because how are we going to mitigate that now they're going to use this as the next excuse to put the prices even higher now this one would be justified this type of inflation is justified because there's a disease that's justified now let's say what's not justified is the conditions in which they grow the chickens that make these types of flu so contagious they pay these farmers x amount of dollars for a fixed amount of uh, of meat or or poultry they they help them build the barns and so forth they treat they have them like so it's the industry is amazing the farmers are, are the corporate structure tells the farmer what to do they build a centralized type of bin for these for these birds and when whenever the flu takes off, it runs rampant. Again, uh, profits at the expediency of well-being. But hey, what can I say? Someday it's going to get across. Zoos across North America are moving birds indoors to protect them from avian flu penguins may be the only bird visitors to many zoos see right now because they are already kept inside and usually protected behind glass in their exhibits making it harder for bird flu to reach them zoo workers are adding roofs to some outdoor bird exhibits and double checking the mesh surrounding enclosure to ensure it isn't wild birds hey find out for me if is is bird flu when, when the birds get it? Do they always die or is it like human flu that you can recover from it? All right, astronomers discover the most distant galaxy yet. A galaxy named HD1 has been crowned the new furthest object in the cosmos. HD1 existed about 330 million years after the Big Bang and the far-flung galaxy may be harboring another surprise too. Either population three stars, the first stars born in a cosmos or the earliest supermass black hole ever found in the very early universe after the big bang primordial gas consisted entirely of hydrogen helium and a sampling of lithium and beryllium Formed form uh from these elements the first stars were born known as population three stars they are more massive more luminous and hotter than today's stars they also perfected the mantra of life live fast die young <laughs> burning out with only a few million years wow Doesn't that sound familiar, guys? Anyhow, last one from Michael Rudnin. In the fight against Putin, Senate unanimously approves measure that once helped beat Hitler. The Senate revived Lend-Lease, a World War II era measure that allowed the US to quickly resupply allies in the fight against Nazi Germany. The Ukraine Democracy Defense uh, Lend-Lease Act of 2022, as it's known, would expedite the transfer of critical military equipment and other critical supplies to Ukraine by cutting bureaucratic red tape. It allows for the de facto gifting of equipment with the provisions stipulating that recipient countries would repay the U.S. at a later date, which means never. This is about to rival U.S. military arms production against sanctioned Russia arms production and put a portion of our military might into Ukrainian hands. Okay, look, I get it. I don't have a problem with that for this particular purpose, but the military-industrial complex really always wins, don't they? Don't they? Don't they? Ah, Rudnan says, ah, are you going to cover this, the fluff stuff? Will with, Will Smith ban from the... Ah? I'm not covering it in that respect. I'm covering it in a more, in a, in a historical manner. In fact, the, the person that I'm interviewing today, it's a fairly long interview and I got to get it started. It's exactly about the slap that we covered. I had a Twitter discussion with somebody I hadn't known then. Uh, her name is Dr. Catherine Pugh, and I, re- I I kind of came down hard on Will Smith, but then threw my hands up and said, "But I don't care," you know. And then I said uh, I made a few other comments, and she took some exceptions to it. I don't know if that we disagreed really, in in as much as we uh we we probably spoke past each other. So um, I asked after we had a, a, a lengthy conversation on Twitter. I said, you know what, I'd like to have you on the show because you are bringing up some informed discussion about this particular issue, the Will Smith-Smith, the Will Smith uh, slap. Because I was all in for Chris Rock, and I still am actually, uh, because I thought he showed some restraint. A lot of people give me a hard time because they think the joke was out of you know, out of scope. Uh, but, you know, that's debatable. But anyhow, um, I'm going to play that now. And then we'll continue, but I want to say, welcome aboard Alistair Waters. Welcome, my dear beautiful lady, Robert P. Davenport. Welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Your left-wing media buds admit mistakes on coverage during the election. Hmm, this is a cover-up. Your time for the media now, period, and I hope Hunter gets nailed. Hunter is not, who cares about Hunt? You guys are hyperventilating about Hunter as if he is the president, as if he has something to do with the president. I don't care about Hunter. You guys can hyperventilate about him. Why, why don't you do the same about Mr. Trump's kids? We didn't hyperventilate on his kids. His kids are crooked to the nth degrees. They're being interrogated for all the things that they do. We don't have time for that. Let's worry about things that matter to people, Eric. Get away from your ideological myopia. Por favor, es tiempo para hacer eso. Uh, And by the way, leave Lina Hidalgo alone. She is a friend of mine, okay? Very honest, unlike most of the commissioners that have preceded her. So leave her alone. All of this is gonna blow over. You know why? Because it's a setup. That's why. Okay, let's continue here. Egberto, 95% avian flu death rate for chickens and turkeys. Wow, that's high. It depends on a little bit on the housing situation, birds. But yes, the mortality rate can be very, very high. Wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching me that. Mike C-Sex to Michigan Governor Kidnapped Plot Suspect Found Not Guilty Due to FBI Entrapment. Yes, I saw that. And two of them got, it was a mistrial and two of them as well. The criminals should go to jail. I don't care if it's entrapment or not in that particular case. Lawrence Sims, welcome aboard. Let's go, Brandon, and push Congress to pack the court. I agree with that 100%, sir. Eric Hayes says, you are so silly, gosh. Return the favor, don't care about the either and mail her to... Uh, I don't know what you're saying. Anyhow, continue masticator, we suspect the president involved in Hunter's dirty business deals. Wow, really? Do you think he really needs to? Robert D. VanPort. Hunter is not a presidential advisor in the White House like the Trump crime family. Very good comeback, Robert P., but let's get busy this interview a bit long, so I'm going to play our wonderful uh, Catherine, who we had a discussion, and you know me, I don't care if you agree with me or not, you have a voice on Politics Done Right, and I don't even think we disagree on much. But anyhow, let's get busy with our interviewee. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Look, well, let, let, (laughs) let me introduce our wondrous guest first before I tell you how we met. Catherine Pugh is an American author and attorney. She has published several anthologies on race engagement in America and on defects and cures in American policing. Ms. Pew is a former adjunct professor at Temple University, Japan, and a law professor of Temple uh, Baisery School of Law. She served with the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division Special uh, Litigation Section and was a public defender in the state of Maryland. Ms. Pugh is currently writing her first book, B.S. Burden Shifting, because ending racism was never the assignment. Ms. Pugh, Catherine Pugh, thank you so kindly for being here. On Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me. Well, let me tell you, Ms. Pew, um, first of all, um, I, I met you on a Twitter chat discussing something as simple as the right. slap, the slap heard around right. the world. And I am not really sure if um if we were in disagreement or what, but I told you after seeing you had some extensive discussions there. And I just wanted to pick your brain and see what you thought about what actually occurred okay. and, and then what it really means.
1: Okay. And so I, I wanna start with um, saying that I think where we were talking about, where we were, was who can engage? How does that engagement happen? You know, what makes that engagement um, valuable? Okay. And that's sort of where we met around that topic. But of course, as you say, the topic was the slap, right? And so as we all know, Will Smith um, slapped Chris Rock. It sort of put the nation in a bit of a tailspin. And I I hear people saying, oh, you know, let's talk about something more important. Um, We have, you know, Senate confirmations for the Supreme Court, and we have, uh, you, you, you know, all kinds of interesting things going on in the world. Uh, we're warring with Ukraine and we're not us, uh, Russia. And so why don't we talk about those important things? And I just want to pull that back just a little bit and, and re-anchor this as important. Okay. And so in and of itself, the one event is important, but what we do with it is hugely consequential. Okay. And what we're talking about doing now with it is... Uh, you know, sort of a put everybody in the ring and have a fight on the other side of an outcome. And I think that we are really on the on the brink of, of being very dangerous. I think when we have a great opportunity to stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's happening here? Okay, we saw an act of violence. I, I mean, everybody sort of has to walk their papers out and say, I disagree with the act of violence. I'm among those people, uh, a, a very early disagreeer. Um, but I'm also really, really locked into a fair and consistent response, right? Not an emotional one, not a, uh, you know, fantastical, retweetable one, but a fair and consistent response. We're not getting that. We're not getting that reception. We're getting a lot of energy and a lot of anger and a lot of, you know, thrown to the wolves. But we really need to take a step back and go, well, what do we normally do here? And can we do that again? Or is something else necessary? We have to have that conversation. Why is it important? Why is it of national importance? Because we typically, um, when we have to make these decisions about bad behavior in the country, we typically make them more aggressively when the bad actor is of color, less aggressively when the bad actor is not. I like to say we learn of our tolerance in our judicial system when we have a white defendant. We do, we learn about nuance. We learn about this is what happened and this was the history and this is why all of this mattered. We learn about teeth when the the, the person on the other end is someone of color, bifurcated system of accountability. I'm not doing that.
0: Everything that you've said there, I agree with. And, in, 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 and and what you said there, I think that it's so important that uh, when you made the statement about, if you want to know the compassion of our system, see how first it treats a white defendant, et cetera. Um, with that all together. I think the portion that, of the conversation that probably was not very um, understanding in, that I came out with was I said, for all practical purposes, I just wanted to say, he was wrong, but I didn't really care about it because right. my concern was that had Chris Rock been a white, uh, a, a white comedian, would our good old Will Smith do the same thing? I don't know. I don't have the answer, but mm-hmm. I just know that it, my gut feeling is that it would have been unlikely. And then I also said within the context of your discussion, I said, but I'm a political activist. When I see Will Smith invest in right. those things that you work right. for and others work for, right. then maybe I'll have a more vested interest. I want you to tell me what I should, you know, why I should give a little bit mm. more re- rationale behind it.
1: I think we're in a very risky place if we start deciding who we're going to apply uh, a response to fairly based on how we feel about them. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly where we are. That's exactly why our system sort of fails us because that's what's already happening. What I want for me, what I task you with is not having to have a precondition in order to treat humanity. I mean, I know we touched on, I don't want to I want to lose two points that you raised, um, and one is that questions to you about how Will Smith would have performed if Chris Rock was white, right? I have real questions about that. Um, for the same reason, are you making up different rules for depending on who's on the other end? And, you know, I think that we are probably in lockstep about where we think this would have landed if, it, if Chris Rock was white, putting that aside. Uh, the other thing is that Chris Rock himself um, was extraordinary in his response. And I, I have to keep saying that. I mean, I and it's not, it has nothing to do with whether we're, what we're gonna do with Will and, and those things, but. We're so focused on this lack of control by Will Smith. No one is looking at this Herculean effort by Chris Rock. I'm going to tell you something. I need you to find, count, count, have been slapped. Not just slapped, not just in a room, but in front of all the world, so to speak, and just held it together we're talking about all of it
0: right we're talking about the spectrum i am glad that you centralized on chris rock Mm -hmm. i i I wanted to centralize on chris rock because i thought that was the example to be seen that that somebody uh, you know an aggressive he he dispelled the notion of the angry black man and the black man without self-control that's one blasted
1: as as did jada both of Mm -hmm. them were like well this is how the business goes let's
0: keep it moving right and number two here we have the Oscar, the first time, put on by a Black producer, as I understand, Black mm-hmm. writers, etc. And we have a Will Smith that couldn't control his emotions. And right. y- you follow up. We, you, you see where I'm going. It, it, it is right. like right. of all the times you look to misbehave is at that point in time.
1: And, you know, this is a perfect segue into where we... Um, we began our conversation because my uh, insistence is to constantly pull it back, re-anchor it, right, into what's going on. I mean, I I, everyone has an opinion, right, but if I need, I need to hear, I need to hear informed opinions, otherwise what we're hearing is just a reaction, and so all of the reactions were sort of explosive and extreme, and, and, I'm really uncomfortable with how comfortable we are at looking at the the whole thing and picking out the the fantastical, the bombastic, right? And that being the narrative. And so I'm pulling it back every time. I'm pulling it back when we talk about Will Smith over Chris Rock. I'm pulling it back when we talk about expulsion over precedent. I'm pulling it back because we're not going to be fantastical when uh, when the bad actor, and I, I mean, that's a sort of a legal phrase, the bad actor, uh, so to speak, and I don't mean his, Will right, Smith right. is a bad, right, okay, and so we're not going to be fantastical, and, and that's a way of life we can't afford to live, and I think we specifically landed on, um, the question was, I think there was a comment that was, I'm hearing a lot of white comedians jump in, and, uh, you know, on the slap, and I find that gross there was a, a, a commentary yeah, totally yes right okay and so um, you you had a, a, a sort of a, a range of responses but but in there when we sort of drilled down to the question of white pylon that's that's where I'm pulling back and going stop I'd really like us to do this the normal way right? And so when we talk about white pile on, why is that a problem? Historically, we have learned that, um, as I said, I think we have a very disparate system of accountability when it's a Black person or a person of color versus a white person. And and invariably, all right, overwhelmingly, those systems of accountability are navigated, controlled, moved through white spaces. And so I want to be careful not to say uh, there can be no white participation i'm going to insist on informed participation and i'm going to say we very often find a combination of uninformed participation and bombastic participation when the focus is black and so we're finding that here and i i those are the things i'm saying i think we need to stop and pay attention because i think we're about to go off the rails when This is, these are not new issues for the Oscars. Um, They're not. They're not new issues for the Academy. We're not discovering anything. So we don't need to discover some new rules because the person is Will Smith. We've seen violence uh, in the Academy. We've seen assault during an Academy (laughs) presentation. We've seen, uh, you know, a, a case of violence where, but for the intervention of six armed men a woman would have been um uh, i i i don't know what i don't want to describe what I'm speaking of of um Oh, my God. John Wayne. John Wayne. Uh, You know, there was a point where John Wayne was back on the stage and there was a presenter who was very angry about. He was storming the stage. It took six people to bring him down. That person had to be walked off of the stage after, you know, her comment and, and protected by those people to keep from being physically harmed. We're not new about this. Let's not act brand new. Let's go back to precedent and see how we handle it.
0: I guess, first of all, I have to tell you that you just told me things that I absolutely didn't know. I was just informed of all these. As you can see, I'm not the person that watches the Academy or the Oscars or anything. All I saw was somebody <laughs> somebody. Right. So that, that is what it is. But now that I know that, I'm informed. Uh, as far as... Right. Right. So I'm informed of that now, and I think that is necessary. Now, yesterday, or I think over the weekend, Tiffany Cross, somebody I love. I love her show. I blog her show. I do a whole lot with her show. Um, but she sort of made some news yesterday when she said no white person needs to comment on this. And I, it, it, that kind of took me aback where um, I, I wanted I wanted to know if we should not cater that message differently because I don't know if it's a fear assessment? You tell me being the expert.
1: Taylor, and I a very, very similar message, but my message is just a tad bit more nuanced. What I say is, if you have not, if you did not care about, if you did not engage in questions of violence and you're made and listen and ask more questions than make more statements. And I think you know, if I find somebody who is, um, if I find somebody who is new at it, there's an author named Johnny Silvercloud. He wrote an article that said to the effect, "We can't tell white people not to participate in this conversation because, you know, the, we can't tell white actors." It was his specific uh, piece on Medium. We can't tell white actors not to participate, and I engaged in that article because I'm not exactly uh, sure that that's comprehensive enough. What we can do is we can say, brand new people need not apply. If we're being brand new about it, you need not apply. We, I don't know that it's fair to say all white people are brand new about it, but I do know that it is fair to say, we as a country, uh, race is deeply embedded in our psyche, deeply embedded in ways that we don't fully know and have not explored and don't understand. What we do know is there's a, a huge disparity when there's a white evaluator of a black bad actor. There's a huge disparity and that's that's sort of a non-negotiable. And so I think for a, for a while as a country, we have to stop and go, we know this is a problem because we all know it's a problem. How do you fix this problem? This is how. We stop and say, hold on, we know this specific flow Is a problem. And so before we, you know, before there's this free participation by everyone, I need to see your bona fides. I need to see that you cared about this before today. Because if you didn't, then I'm not really sure why you your contribution is, should be valuable now. It's an uninformed contri- contribution. It's a also called a reaction. And so we, since we know that happens, if you want to weigh in, have you cared before? If you want to impose consequences, what were those patterns before, right? Opinions aren't valuable. Informed opinions are and I think that that's a shortcut way, I think to when, when you hear things like white folks need not participate, it's a shortcut way to say, hold on, I don't quite, I can't take it on faith that you're gonna come at this with um, fairness and reasonableness and balance. Not because of what I've seen with you personally, but because of what we have learned historically. We're at the point where maybe for the next couple of, maybe for the next century, we need to pause a little bit And when we're going to to engage on something or land on something, I need to see that you should be participating, not that you want to participate in a lynch mob.
0: I think that is a nuance that, um, especially in these times, it's a nuance that I think needs to be articulated. Because like I said, um, my friend, uh, when when, uh, Tiffany said it, you know, the first thing that happened to me was like, oh, I don't know how that is going to go across, because that is then going to, that is now going to become the the discourse as opposed to the underlying thing that we need to discuss. You know, the nuance that you brought out, I I think it's important because also within your nuance also says, Candace Owens need not apply.
1: Okay. And so the thing about the nuance is it says anybody who's brand new needs not apply, right? Right. And, and, And so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop at the identity of the, 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 the brand new person, but we cannot weed out the identity because we do know, I don't think it's a debate unless, you know, you'd like to have that debate. I don't think it's a debate about the disparity when the evaluator is white and the bad actor is of color. I don't think that's a debate. I think we have to then, if unless we want to continue to see that. How do you undo that? How do you address it? How, we don't keep saying, well, let's just all get along. We've been saying that for 400 years, right? That, that sort of language has been in just about every, every presidential inauguration you know, speech, inaugural speech, since the beginning of time that has taken us as far as it's going to take us. We are an informed, we are a learned, we are an intelligent, we are an active uh, nation, and we are ready to go to the next step. And the next step is everything we've done so far has gotten us here, but this doesn't seem to be able to take us over this hump. What's the hump? This disparity. How do you deal with the disparity? We step it back and we go, hold on, I want to see what you're suggesting because I'd like to see if it's within the range of precedent or are we inventing precedent? And I'd like to see your papers. Is this something that you are invested in because of the issue or because of the person? And those things are the things that must be considered for quite some time until we as a country can go, I feel comfortable that we're going to be making decisions based on the behavior, right? Based on the social rules. We don't have that comfort now as a country and there's no way to get it without engaging on race there's absolutely no way the beautiful thing is that the way to do it doesn't eclipse doesn't exclude anyone by race it doesn't include anyone by race we make a rule and we follow what we're expecting which is one rule fully applied across the board so As long as we apply that rule, a lot of people are gonna be filtered out naturally because of of their predilections, right? And so I think that's where she was going. I can't really trust you to be fair because history teaches us that that that's not the case. And that history teaches that there's a reaction here versus informed behavior here. And we wanna stop history. How do we stop that process? Here's a simple way to say it, no white people participate. But behind that, what it means is we are not discovering brand new today, and so we want to see that you have, have really earned the right to participate in this conversation. And I say that often to people. Mm, you haven't really earned the right to have that conversation with me. I am not the teacher. I am the test right? You can go talk to your friends, you can go talk to the internet to learn the foundational stuff. But it doesn't appear that you have invested in this before. And I'm not, you don't, we're not, we don't start your investment with your participation. You start your investment like everyone does with your learning. Um, and so I think that's where she's coming from. And I support it aggressively. I don't support, I won't ever say, you can't have a conversation because you're white. I will say, you got to have a conversation that you are vetted for. Otherwise, I need you on the bench. I need you learning before you're talking. Everyone should be saying that across the board, right? And I, so, so that is my understanding of the point. It's, 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 it's a simpler way to say it. It's, it's also a more inflammatory way to say it. And it's an easy way to get derailed, which is why I don't say it. I'm not going to um, sort of chase the, you know, not my monkey, not my circus. So I'm not going to chase extra issues. But I will back that one. I will back it and say, all right, if you like the explanation, here it is, right? Here's why. What are you teaching us about how this works? Are you asking me to go person by person to take you on faith, knowing what we know, to allow participation, to potentially have that skew the process at my risk because you want to participate without having earned that prop the, the right to do so. Now, if you just wanna have a conversation and, and you wanna blow it off, go do it over there. Don't come into this forum where we're looking to move something forward so that you can vent. And an opinion is not valuable and a, an informed opinion is.
0: Miss Pugh, and that is the reason that I wanted and, and, and you on the I,
1: program. I, 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 And I I appreciate that because let me give you an example with the Academy, okay? So with the Academy, you have Bill Cosby, right? And you know, Bill Cosby was convicted in April of 2018 of um, sexual assault of of a a woman, a specific woman. And then uh, April, 2018, he was convicted. May, 2018, he was ejected from the Academy, right? Uh, At the same time, on the same day, In the same action, the academy also ejected Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski, however, had committed his acts not just years. 1977 is yeah. when he was originally charged. 1978, right, is when he entered a plea uh, for he had six counts. Five were dismissed if, in a plea bargain. Roman Polanski, when it, when he, it became aware that that perhaps the, that the judge who agreed to the, the plea. Uh, the sort of the conditions of the plea—they're not bound. They're just sort of uh, judges are just sort of informed, and they don't really have to be locked in. When when Mr. Clancy got the was became aware that the the judge was not going to adhere to that, boom—he was gone. He got on a foot plane to London and eventually ended up in France. Right, and so that case is actually still not resolved. But he remained a member of the academy. Not just did he remain a member.
2: He won. He
1: was. He won while he was on the lam. <laughs> he yeah. won while he was in the wind, right? And so nothing changed with Roman Polanski from the time Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's acts were in 2004, OK? And so from nothing changed from 77 to 2004. Nothing changed from 2004 to 2018. But what did happen was a brother committed the act. Now, you know what Roman Polanski did? Roman Polanski drugged and raped a 13 year old child.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, um, and, and this is this is not an Olympic uh, who's more, but we're not going to pretend that that was that was a difficult call to make, right, right? Right. And so nothing happened in between those things. It's just that the Academy was had discovered accountability, had discovered propriety and moral turpitude and right and wrong, and Bill had to go. Uh oh. <laughs> And so there you go, there you go. So you get the teeth versus the tolerance and there could be no stronger way to say, this is what happens. The Academy, thank you very much, said, we also do it, oops, right? And so now we know, instead of just jumping in and do it again, let's slow down and say, what's the standard? What's the expected behavior What's the range of consequences? Now let's apply them. And if you wanna depart from that range, I need you to make that case out loud, right? If, you, if the departure is, oh, you know, well, it happened on the awards. Okay, well, I have it here. It happened on the awards too. I actually have multiple uh, events that happened on the academy during the, during the academy awards. And so if that's the rule, then everyone needs to follow the rule and they all have to go. Are we okay with that? No, well then what's the difference? Is it violence? You know, an assault. Well, I've got multiple examples of assault during the academy, after the academy. If that's the rule, absolutely, Will Smith has to go, and so does everyone else. Are we comfortable with that? All right, that's all we want. In fact, I'm not even landing on what I'd like to see happen. I yield the floor. I'm anything. Absolutely, anything you can live with, I can live with too. Right, as long as we're all living with it. I need the rule. I need it to be applied currently, and if you're, if you're going to apply it retroactively, if you're going to make a new rule, then it goes there forward, which means the act that triggered it doesn't count. If the act that triggered it counts, that means we can go backwards. We're going all the way backwards. Pick your poison. Whatever we do, I need you to understand we're going to have one rule. That's it, and that's what we should want for the nation. That's the nation that we've learned about as children. And-
0: This is the narrative that we needed when Twitter exploded. Yeah. This is a narrative right. that we needed. And I'm glad that you brought that up and I'm glad that you checked my statement when uh, I addressed Arturo Dominguez, because what that does is it, it lays a reason for the plan. And, and that's what I like to do. I mean, whenever you, you check something, you want to go out there and put it out there. Now, um, last, last thing, um, Ms. Pugh, What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? What's
1: a great way for the the Academy to wrap this up, right? And um, I thought about that a lot. And it's not my place to grow the rule. I'm not a neophyte on the issue, so I'm not just jumping in. But I, I, I do think that the Academy is facing an extraordinary opportunity to do right and to teach, right? And by that I mean, Let's stop right now. Um, The Academy issued a a statement back in back after uh, Adam Kimmel. Adam Kimmel was also ejected from the Academy for sexual impropriety. Harvey Weinstein. The Academy issued a statement then, and it said, and I'm going to read it. The Academy has a stated policy against abusive and indecent behavior. This was published in Variety. It was published in Variety. The Academy had a policy against against abusive and indecent behavior takes all matters involving harassment, assault, or misconduct very seriously. That was years ago that it said it, long before this, right? The Academy hasn't actually done that, as we know. The Academy went on to say that we have an honor system, we rely on the integrity of members and blah, 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 blah. But what we do know about the Academy is it has only responded when folks have been outed it has not proactively responded to anyone. And this would be another one with Will Smith, but this is a great opportunity for the academy to go, yeah, I think we might be doing this wrong, number one. Number two, this is an awesome opportunity for the academy to evolve up, right? To raise the ceiling and not raise the floor. And by that, I mean, you know, Will Smith is, is one of the things that I love about him. I think he needs to do it a little better, a little more, more sincerely, is that he's really big on self-reflection and introspection. Now, anybody can get up and pop somebody in the, sta- in the face, on stage, knowing what he knows about the world and media is really not doing his self-work, right? But he does like that to move that muscle. This is a great time to say, hold on for one sec. We've got a whole group of folks, and by that I mean specifically Black men, because Black women aren't having it for ourselves. But Black men are the one group in the country who, you know, everyone else gets to be stopped by the police, right? To an extent, um, Black women, but without exception, Black men, the police get to be trained. They're trained in their arm, but they get to react out of fear. I shot you because I was afraid I was safe. As a black man, you're a civilian, you have not been trained, but you must, you must compose yourself with the kind of, of, of self-control we would like an armed trained person to have, but it doesn't. And so there is no safe way for black men to feel, to fail, to cry, to, to need mental health, to fall over, any of those things. This is a great time to say, Hey, you know what? It might be cool to bring together, I don't know, 50 of your best friends, go out to an island, go out with some therapists, go out with some cameras, stay out there for an hour and have a retreat, man, and see what we can do with this moment. And and the academy could very well say, I'd love to be a part of that, right? Um, Because you've already taken the consequence that we would take. But we, we want more than just to smack you on the hand. We want good people. They could, the Academy could stop and go, oh gosh, we don't really have a policy about getting drunk before the show, you know, about bringing alcohol to the show or, or whatever it is. They could, they could look at those things. They could move proactively and in, in a way to say, we wanna do better going forward. We want to address what happened and we want to address our lack of addressing, period. And so I'd like to see, you know, I think that'd be great for Smith too. I mean, he doesn't need to be at the red table. I think he needs to be out somewhere with a bunch of brothers and they need to be having that, this, this conversation about what do you do when you're pissed, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'd like to see, all we're talking about is we're angry at Smith, we're angry, you know, he's let us down and, and Chris was great and blah, blah, blah. How do we get out of this? How do we get out of this in a way that's not brand new, in a way where, where we're discovering bad behavior? How do we get out of this in a way that we're discovering people, the, the, the fallible nature of people, and, to get, and we still wanna be contributors to, to the greatness of the nation? That's what I'd like to figure out. That's what I like to have these conversations. What's the wildest thing we could do to move this? Right. We'd be talking about something else. If the Academy came out and said, right now, that was the craziest stuff I've ever seen. I've never seen anything that crazy. I tell you what, I have this this anger management person and these 16 people. I'd love to see you guys work this up. I'd love to see something real. We'd be like, oh, my God, (laughs) we wouldn't be talking about the slap. We wouldn't. We don't have to be. And I don't think we should be. I think we can do better.
0: Catherine Pugh an American author and attorney. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right.
1: Mm, My thanks go to you because these are conversations that we need to be having in a lot broader way. So kudos to you for stopping and going, hold on, can we be missing something? Let's talk about it. So thank you.
0: All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I sure did. Um, Let's see. I saw some commentary that I wanted to, Take a look at, let's see. Bridge MCP says, Sorry I missed the entire interview, Maywood said. Notice that FB and YouTube are slightly off watching on both. Eric Hayes says, Question, judges aren't responsible for our crime being repeated. Via their low bonds, well, check. Oh, you, you're, <laughs> oh boy, you are the same thing again. All right, continue. In AVQ. I don't. Let's see what time we got. Yeah, I got time enough for our next video. I tell you what. Let me play the next video and then I'll uh, I'll move on after that. Scarborough today. No, let's play uh, Anan Giraldo's first because that one is an important video that I want you guys to see. Anan Hidalgo. I tell you what he hit the nail on the head. Everybody knows by now that uh, Musk bought about, around 10% of Twitter. And many people just, many people love to revere Musk as if he's this great person that has done so much. And I've been really down on him. I've been down on all these billionaires because I don't think they really contribute much to society. It's great to see the author of Winner Takes All gets it. I want you guys to listen to this and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. Because it's rather important, and he articulates it perfectly.
2: Your thoughts on him now basically being Twitter's biggest owner? We live in this moment in which the arsonists are cosplaying as firefighters. The people who cause our greatest... Social problems, global problems are trying to con us into thinking not only that they're OK, but that they are the solution to the problems they've caused. So look at Musk. Musk uh, has built his business through government subsidies years ago and now turns around, stiffs the government on taxes and, and explains how inefficient government spending is. And he can do everything better privately in space and elsewhere. Uh, he is building in Tesla a documentedly racist company uh, that perhaps reminds him, uh, gives him nostalgic memories of apartheid South Africa where he grew up. Uh, and on social media, he's been charged by the SEC with misleading investors and paid millions in fines. Uh, he's more than that, an embodiment of what I would say is Twitter's biggest strategic problem, which is a hostile cruel, uh, dangerous Mm -hmm. online environment, especially for women, especially for people of color, women of color in particular. And Mm -hmm. Musk embodies that bullying, that bro harassment, the pedo guy thing. You can't do that unless you're one of the world's richest people. Just call someone a pedo with no basis. And he won the case, even though he did it because Mm -hmm. he's the world's richest guy. And so here we have now, after someone who has helped make Twitter worse every day, the arsonist is coming back to cosplay as firefighter. He is going to be at the board seat, Joy, discussing how -hmm. to make Twitter safer, how to make it better. And his agenda has been telegraphed very clearly. Less control. At a moment when Twitter's greatest uh, opportunity and need is for greater control, of Nazism on the platform, of doxing and brigading of women and ruining women's lives for having opinions uh, on Twitter, controlling that. He wants the opposite, and they have welcomed him to their board.
0: And the thing
1: is, that he wasn't even honest. I mean, he broke the law already. So he delayed filing this form that he's supposed to do when he's supposed to disclose, you know, that he's bought 9.2 percent of the company. Didn't do that. He delayed it. He made $156 million by delaying the disclosure of his stake. He made a ton of money, waited more than 20 days to do the disclosure. So he made money. But that's not even legal. He'll get away with that, too. And what, I don't know if you were, I worry about part of what you said there. We are coming up to an election where you're going to probably have now a flood of misinformation again. Maybe Trump, back in play. All the dangers, all the little Nazis that used to be on there, the honors, he might bring them all back.
2: Our democracy doesn't have terrific odds right now, as you cover every night uh, on this broadcast for a, a gazillion different stories that are all kind of intersecting and coalescing in one historical moment. It doesn't have great odds. One of the things making those odds even worse every day is that a growing chunk of Americans, a significant minority, uh, are no longer dwellers of the land of reality. They live in a fantasy. And it's not a fantasy of their own private bedroom concoction. It is Mm -hmm. a fantasy manufactured by some of the richest and most powerful and intelligent people on earth who know better and profit from making those people believe those things so they can get right-wing, authoritarian, fascist governments to give them a tax cut, cut some regulations, Mm -hmm. repeat and rinse. And Elon Musk is the fox coming into the hen house. And it is shameful that Twitter, which has a fiduciary obligation, I would think, to protect people who actually use it, the millions of people who actually use it. Did they ask a single woman? A single woman. Was a single woman consulted? And this is it was a single person of color who just uses Twitter, who made the mistake of using Twitter and needs it for their job, needs it to amplify the stories they do, needs it for the reporting they do. Yeah. Did they consult with anybody? I reached out to Parag Agarwal tonight a couple days ago when this news broke, saying, let's let's have a conversation. You're brown. I'm brown. Let's I would love for you to hear from someone who doesn't have this point of view. Uh, I guess he only has time to respond to Elon Musk.
0: And, you know, what is so important about what he said? And I hope you guys listen to it. Number one, we shouldn't really sit down here having respect for these billionaires as if they accomplished this stuff on their own because they didn't. In fact, most of the times, most of the accomplishment was on the back of some. They were the ones who were able to get the accolades for that particular accomplishment. They're just good at using the capitalist system where they monetize somebody else's work. But the other thing that he's pointed out is something we talk about here on Politics and Right all of the times but we have to inculcate it into the minds of other people out on the majority. And that is, these people who are living in this fantasy land, a fantasy land created by the rich, the plutocracy, into fooling you into believing QAnon, fooling you into believing that supply-side e- supply economics works, fooling you into believing that billionaires are job creators, fooling you into believing all these things that uh, somehow uh, it is it, the energy that you use, it's only these groups that can get it. You know, keeping, uh, uh, you know, for, for those who want more oil, right, we have... Venezuela swimming in oil but because they don't have the right governmental system where the corporate control of the resources can be maintained we'll just leave that pool of oil until we can overthrow that government and have the corporations go in that is what we do anan gets it many people get it the problem is we need so many more telling the story and that is what we're doing berto willis as host of politics done right a progressive radio media show on pacifica networks kpft 90.1 fm houston that engages all ideologies i found that our political angst isn't mostly ideological there is a well designed effort by many in power to control us if we are at each other's throats we are less likely to demand our economic and local wishes in that light i wrote 3 books I wrote the first one titled, as I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom to describe the entire economy in a manner we can all understand. It highlights why it was designed to pill for most as it empowers a few. The Chosen. The second book, titled, It's Worth It. How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. Take it to the next level. After understanding how the system pilfers, it is incumbent that we can speak to our peers to empower a change. The third book, How to Make America Utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it gives us a place to land. After learning about our economy that is dysfunctional for most and learning how to engage the other side, we point out what would make an economy that works for all. Each book stands on its own, but together they provide the full picture. Please consider getting one or more. You will undoubtedly learn, be entertained, and help us continue the mission with our blogs, articles, videos, and books absolutely so folks absolutely so look thank you guys for being here but please remember also you can support us further uh first of all go ahead and uh, sign up click that join button on youtube please become a member of the pdr posse on youtube uh, you can, if you're, if you're not on YouTube, if you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or you're on Twitch or any one of the other platforms, please go to politicsandright.com/slash/YouTube if you'd like to be on our YouTube channel. You know where you can get our sneak peeks and all that kind of stuff. A lot of you get, a lot of you that are, uh, that are on our YouTube network, a lot of stuff that I put out early, you guys get first tips at it. So, uh, like, uh, you know, so go ahead and consider supporting us by going to politicsandright.com/slash/YouTube. Alternatively, you can support us on Patreon. We need a lot more patrons as well. And thank you, Highcoop. Thank you very much, Coop33. Three, three, what is it? High coop 333 Haikup333 three, three, three said the following, and I thank you so kindly, sir. He said, let me pull that up. Egberto Willis, one of my Patreon subscriptions was repeating Russian misinformation as if to justify the war. So I moved my support dollars to raise my membership level with PDR. Keep up the good work, EW. I thank you so kindly. You know, over here, brother, Coop uh, 333 all you're going to hear is the unadulterated truth. And not only do you hear the unadulterated truth, but you have a voice. Dr. Pugh, who we just spoke to, I never, I don't know who she is, but she had, she schooled me on a few things and I felt compelled to have her here. Other members of the PDR Posse have been interviewed on the show and I've always left the show open as well to anybody who has something to say and want to add to the discourse. Because what I've always said, it's not just, it's not just something pretty that I say, it is fact. This is your show. Please support us. Uh, consider becoming a patron at politicsandright.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N is the name. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you guys know I respond to emails, etc. Ask many of you that are on right now. When I send an email to Egberto, do I get a response? Yes I do. Sometimes it may take two days, sometimes it may take a week, sometimes it may take 10 days. It all depends. My my email load is huge. I do everything. So one person doing the videos, the writing, the research, the books, everything. So it's 16-hour days. I need more support. So please support us. Go to Patreon, politicsandright.com slash patron Patrons P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Don't forget to check your FB messages. I will, sir. I will. And uh, PayPal, folks. PayPal. Politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Uh, that's one of our preferred methods. Just go ahead and uh, either give us a one-time contribution or do a monthly like many do as well. You know, get, get Egberto... And politics and right, a cup of coffee a month or a couple of coffees a month—that would be great. That help us if we have hundreds of people, do actually a, thousand, a couple thousand people doing that, we could really get a whole lot done. And of course, we have our store, slash store slash store We have a lot of new products. Get yourself a T-shirt, a hat, a cup, like our good friend here, and you know I'm gonna put her on the screen. Alistair Waters, there she is with her cup, and that cup was designed by one of you in the PDR Posse, who? Bridge MCP, she realized that we are, a, we are a, a program that want to put people together, not separate folks, that's why you see a lot of my right wingers are here, today. they know I love them too? Right Eric? Right? Uh, <laughs> you, you know I do, uh, who, let me see Mast- Right Masticator? Right Lee Grant? My, my right-wingers are here, too, and they're here all of the time. They know I love them. Michael Rodden, you're abandoning us. Hey, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you for being here. Gotta flip that image. Uh, oh, it's not flipped? Ooh, oops. <laughs> I, you know, I've been watching this Breach MCP, and I hadn't noticed it. Shows you where my mind is. I gotta flip the image. I'll flip that image uh, the next time I put it up there. But anyway, uh, so Breach MCP designed that cup, the left, the right. We come together. Thank you, Bridge, and that—that's always been appreciated. Eric Hay says middle ground. Michael says later. And anyhow, so so support us at our store as well. And there's one more. All what I call oh, get our books. Politicsandright.com/books. Politicsandright.com/books. Para ver dónde estás ahí. And lastly, but not least, if you want to find an all-encompassing choice that you can make to support us, go to politicsandright.com/support. It gives you all the different options, including. Venmo, Cash App. Uh, what's the other one again? From uh, and, and all the other forms that you have that you can support us. Egberto, I forgot about PayPal again. Is it a business or friend? It is a, you know, I think it's a friend. I'm not sure. I t- I'm not sure. <laughs> Just go to politicsandright.com slash PayPal and it'll, it'll tell you. But anyhow, folks, I thank you guys for being here. I got to get out of here. It's five o'clock. I have several more interviews for you. I have one, several more lined up as well. The the, the coup de grace is coming pretty soon when we have Dr. Professor Richard Wolf. uh, That is gonna be, he already made an an appointment with me for us to do that interview. Um, I'm uh, I'm also gonna, when I get back to Houston, I'm gonna look into developing some systems uh, that can have better call in to our program. Masticator said, I'm archiving this show for future generations. Can hear what 21st century racists sound like? Masticator, I know you, you want to be inflammatory. But first of all, you know that young lady wasn't racist at all. She was not racist at all. <laughs> I could tell you something about her that would prove that, but I'm not, I don't tell people's personal things, right? So please don't, please don't do that. In fact, I will. I will. I will wager that nobody on this. You know, some of us on this program here may be on ill-informed, but I don't consider any of the folks here racist. Yeah, where are you at, Egberto? Right now, I'm still in DC with my daughter. You remember? Uh, this is where where I'll be until you know she f- finishes with the boards, etc. Um, let's see what else. You guys have a wonderful weekend stay safe keep I'll be putting out my newsletter etc this weekend and some other things so please uh, oh <laughs> I need to get back on the screen I am sorry I'm sorry but you know what Alistair's, Alistair is better looking than I am so uh, what can I say she's better looking than I am so let let I, I prefer keeping Alistair on the screen anyhow let's let me get me back on the screen All right, so anyway, you guys have a safe weekend. I got to get out of here. My name is Igberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. (laughs)